So welcome, Michael Urso, to this week's episode of Golden Home Fitness Radio. Mike is our new director of training with Golden Home Fitness. He's had eight years of experience in the fitness industry. He worked at Equinox as a manager for their Tier 4 program, which is the highest level they have. Um, he led that program to the Club of the Year Honors in 2015. He's even a top 100 trainer at Equinox in 2012 through 2014. And then uh, has since been a team development, team development manager at Lifetime Athletic. Uh, played three sports in high school, soccer, basketball, baseball. Most impressively, he's a father of a two-year-old and a three-year-old girls. Um, <laughs> and his wife, Jennifer, is also managed health clubs for over 10 years. So you could say they definitely have a fitness power family. All right. So welcome to the show, Mike. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks. Well, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Looking forward to it. Of course. Of course. Sweet. So let's just start out kind of giving people uh, the background about how you got into the fitness industry um, and also really why uh, you've been in it for so long. Eight years is really impressive. You know, I'm pretty sure the average length in the fitness industry is less than two years. So, um, you know, there's got to be a lot of good staying power behind that. So kind of just telling your story and then really uh, we'll dig into kind of your motivation and, and why you've been able to stick with it for so long and been so successful. Yeah, eight years, it actually seems like, um, I don't know, I still feel like there's so much to learn after eight years. Actually, it sounds like a long time, but uh, but I still feel like uh, I picked an industry where it's continuing to evolve. So, um, and that's really exciting for me as an insatiable learner. So it allows me to uh, uh, always be looking for the next thing to to learn, to research, to implement with clients, with coaches, with whatever it may be. Um, but really, I mean, for me, um, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a, I was a three-sport athlete. Baseball was my big sport in high school and uh, and even afterwards recreationally. But uh, for the most part, um, I got my uh, my start in New York City. So I moved out to New York City in, I believe it was like 2018, right around the time when the recession was about to hit. And uh, wanted to be in a, a city there where things were just a little bit more padded if if you know the 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 state of the the financial and the economy was going to kind of go down the tubes and so new york was a great place i was actually a restaurant server and bartender at the time and uh not really you know in fitness um what happened though i was always working out i was always you know trying to keep myself in good shape stay strong and um yeah i was just unhappy in my job and kind of looking around and saying you know i like serving people food but there's a lot of overweight people here and you know i'm not really doing good for the state state of the the uh, obesity epidemic that's going on so um you know i i don't know i i thought there's got to be something else out there i was having a conversation with a friend one day over a beer and uh she ended up convincing me to try a, to become a personal trainer so i said all right let me let me see what this is all about i did all my research i went to a summer course um you know got my certification got hired right away and uh, from there it was just kind of grinding it out and learning the the, the tricks of the trade I um, started at Equinox. I worked on the Upper West Side for uh, about a year. Met my wife, as you mentioned, who was also working uh, in the fitness industry, managing clubs. And uh, we got uh, she got an offer to to get a job out in Boston. So we moved out here. Um, I want to say it was right around 2011. Uh, moved out here. Continued to work for Equinox for a couple years. Um, you know, honing my craft. Became a manager. Started uh, working with coaches developing coaches, uh, still continued to, to train people, and then uh, eventually got recruited to work for a lifetime, spent a little bit of time there, um, and then uh, just recently found my way over to Golden Home Fitness. So here we are. 
So kind of getting into, you know, you said you were already pretty involved in fitness. Did that kind of come from being super into baseball in high school or, or sort of how did you kind of make that transition from, you know, you're an athlete or a bartender and a friend just kind of convinced you to become a personal trainer? Like what was the kind of meat of actually, you know, sticking with personal training too? Yeah. Um, I think because I like, for me personally, I like a lot of action. I like a lot of, um, I like a lot of different things. I like to explore. So, I mean, I don't know how much you believe in, in the, the, the different um, sun signs and all that stuff, but uh, Sagittarius, we're explorers, we're adventurers. Um, you know, we, I definitely don't like to sit in one place. And um, when I kind of realized, well, you know, I, I have a job where I'm, I'm serving tables and I'm, you know, yes, I'm walking and I'm very active in that job. It's not the same as being in a gym and actually demoing exercises and, and you know, being, having to like, have my business card be me and me being in shape, you know and what I mean to sell my services. And so um, there was something appealing about that, I think. Um, but also, yeah, I just, I got addicted to the way you feel when you work out. Um, you feel empowered, you feel stronger. And, um, you know, I just, I, I did that so long for myself. I think I developed a lot of discipline playing baseball. So my, my baseball coach in high school, uh, baseball was my, my big sport. So even if I, you know, was, you know, playing basketball, we were spending, you know, winter months, you know, hitting in the batting cages still on the weekends, you know, just to keep our, our skills up. Um, and so it was just that discipline that I developed over time with myself that that kind of bled into my training program and me always being consistent with working out and uh, just thought, yeah, like, why not? Why can't you make this into a career? Why? Why isn't this something that you can, you know, make good money doing help other people um, get, get better? And honestly, like, you know, I'll share one of my favorite quotes of all time with you, which is from Benjamin Disraeli, which is the greatest good you can do for another is not just to share your riches, but to reveal to him his own. And to me, that's the biggest thing is is taking um, what you know and being able to teach it back to somebody and to pull out something that's already in somebody versus trying to, you know, put a skill or put something that doesn't already exist in someone. So that's what I look to do in my coaching. I look to try to find what is this person, where, where have they, where have they shined before? What have they done positively? And how can like, where, what are, what were their successes in the past? And how can I pull that out of them to help them through this next journey, like stage in their fitness journey? So that's kind of how um, all those things started clicking. If you, if, if you want to say like, what's the why behind why I do what I do? I think it was that it was first, it was me. It was about the selfish kind of keeping myself, it, and then it bled into well I want to help other people get the same feeling that I have because it's it's powerful it's empowering it, it allows me to um, reach and stretch for things and challenge myself to do things that I wouldn't have normally done in the past so it's a very empowering feeling and I wanted to share that empowering feeling with others um, yeah. and sometimes in the fitness industry you know that's something people struggle with where they take a top trainer make them a manager um, and it just doesn't fit the skill set but Clearly, like you were saying with the Disraeli quote and your whole philosophy on that, like that uh, transitions perfectly into helping other trainers, you know, pull out the best in themselves and see their own development too. So yeah. um, do you want to kind of touch on just how that transition was from not only working with your own clients, but really developing other trainers to kind of multiply that impact? Yeah, honestly, that's a really good question, Will. I think like when... It's a learned process. We'll start there. Um, I didn't automatically like become a good manager. I you know, like anything when you first try something, you suck at it. Um, you know, I, I just 
you, you got to figure it out. You know, if you're, if the will is there and it was, I, you know, I, I studied on how to be a manager. I studied on coaching behavioral change and I kind of applied that same, um, structure of how I coach my clients to then how I get my co my coaches and trainers to comply with some of the initiatives that we were putting forward or to to help them help support them so that they they can support their clients better and give them the tools and resources that they need and the development and the skills and the access to to resources um and and I think it it really starts with just an authentic care so you have to apply that same you know altruistic feeling you know when you're working with a client and just like you know this is not about me this is about helping this person um you have to have that same kind of mindset when you are approaching that with with management and it's you know essentially yeah i guess using that same process that you would use with a client which is you know find out what what they want to accomplish what is your what is your career goal um, how can I help support you through that? And, and what are the skills that you need to develop in order to create the habits that are necessary to reach your goal? Um, it's no different. You know, I think, you know, person to person, client to trainer, we're all, we're all people. We all kind of psychoanalyze things the same way. Um, so, so that process wasn't much different. It was, there was a lot of growing pains. There was a lot of, um, you know, it helped in my situation because I was the oldest of my group. So, you know, as a manager, you're also managing people that are right around the same age as you. It can be hard to, to gain respect. And I think I was able to, one, because I, my age, my experience in the field at that point, um, the fact that I had proven myself as a top trainer in the company. So I, I did get respect there. But you're right. Um, a lot of trainers, you know, and if you've ever read The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, a lot of technicians or trainers try to go and build a business and become that entrepreneur and skip that management um, aspect of it. And I think you have to know all three layers of it. You have to understand it because if you skip right from technician to entrepreneur and you don't really know how to manage the business or manage um, your, your clients or trainers, um, you're, you're going to have some gaps and you may not succeed at the level that you think you will um, unless you can kind of align those pieces. So much of it's about you know the movements or exactly what they're doing, but people kind of forget about how important it is to tap into their behaviors when they're not with you. Um, and you know, like you just said, with both uh, working with tra uh, trainers that you're um, you know reporting to you and with clients as well that you're working with, you know, it's so important that they know that you care so much before you know that corny saying they know um, before they care what you know they have to know that you care about them. Um, yeah. But so kind of what's your process of kind of understanding clients as well as trainers you're working with to really get to understand better what are those habits um, that they need to work on and how can you kind of make sure that they actually do them because you know it's uh, epidemic of goal setting and not executing um, in, in the whole world I think. Yes um, that takes me to a quote that I heard last year which is uh, um, if more information was the answer, we'd all be billionaires with six pack abs, yes. right? Because we're, we're all just a Google search away from all the workouts, all the nutrition plans, all the strategies that we possibly need to lose weight, to feel better, to eat better, um, to have a, a much more thriving life. But we're kind of inundated with information and we have this lack of implementation of strategy. It's all about habit and behavior and um and and i would say like 
and I've heard this a couple times, uh, both with Mel Robbins, who wrote the book, The Five Second Rule, and also David Goggins more recently, who was a, a US Navy SEAL, talking about motivation is crap. And I, I do believe that. Um, I think there's this kind of three levels that you have to go through, which is um, kind of like inspiration, motivation, and then action. Inspiration meaning you have a thought that you are inspired to want to want to you know move on something, move on an idea you have, and then you're motivated, meaning you have a feeling, like you feel like you want to do it. So it becomes a little bit more powerful. And then you have action, which a lot, a lot of people. They just don't even take action on it. Um, and so you got to move through that process a lot faster. When you feel inspired, when you feel motivated, you've got to take action on it right away. You've got to commit to something um, and get yourself moving forward towards it. Otherwise, a lot of people stall out at being motivated, right? So how do I do that with my clients um, or even trainers? You know, I would say I, I, I listen, I stop, I ask a lot of questions and I really stop and listen. And I, I ask a lot of follow-up questions. I want to understand more deeper, um, not why some, not why, not what somebody wants to do, but but really why they want to do it. So there's a lot of different strategies you can go about for for finding out those deeper reasons. But I think when you just look at the word emotion and you break it down, emotion, motion is in the word emotion. Emotion gets people to move. It gets them to to you know take action on things. So. I think what we try to do is, and what I try to do is, I try to get them connected to something that makes them feel very uh, powerfully within themselves, or um, you know, a thought that you know, a vision that they've want, they've they've had, or something that they've um, some some place that they've been. I talked about like previous wins before and previous successes. Bring them back to those times and 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 allow them to get excited, get emotional about it, and then drive them forward to action a lot faster to commit to something. And that kind of starts with just the Kaizen method, which would mean, you know, taking one small step. Because you know, if it, it'd just be like running up the stairs. If you were to try to, you know, jump three stairs or you know, two three stairs, you might end up stumbling. But if you take one step at a time, you're gonna you may get it's gonna take longer to get there but you're going to make much steadier progress. So I would say, um, you know, starting really small, really, really small, like make the, make the goals, make the habits, make the behavior so easy um, to, to achieve that it's almost silly and foolish that you're setting something so simple and then continue to build on that because I think momentum and consistency are the two biggest things when it comes to making progress, especially towards your fitness goals. You have to have momentum, meaning you have momentum can work two ways. You can momentum can work backwards, right? You can have a negative feedback loop where you just sit on the couch and then you start feeling bad about yourself. And then you're like, well, I've already, you know, ate a whole bucket of ice cream. I'm just going to, you know, sit on the couch for the rest of the weekend and finish this whole um, season of Game of Thrones or whatever. Um, or it could work in a positive way. Um, it could move you forward and you can continue to chip away at it and feel like you have this forward momentum going, you know, I'm, I've been working out five days a week consistently. It's much easier when you're consistent and you have momentum with something to it, to get closer to your goal. Like people can get caught so caught up on planning and um, the importance yeah. of just making sure that you're staying in the right direction instead of going in the right direction. Um, you know, it's that classic like aim, 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 aim. Yes. You never fire. Um, where, um, you know, you just have to set some goal. You just have to start in a positive direction. And then, it, like you said, that Kaizen method of just, you know, you make a little progress, some incremental progress, and then it's reflecting what's working. Let's do more of that. You know, how can we improve? 
um, and that just constant course correction. Um, you know, I think there's one of these kind of sayings. It's like if you start in New York City, an airplane, if you change its uh, direction 1%, you'll either go from like LA to San Diego just because the 1% compounded over time and over time. So it's not really about setting that initial goal because you're not going to set the perfect goal. And so many things happen, you know, not how you expect. But, um, you know, so especially like we were just talking about recently, the uh, peak with Honors Erickson, that's, it's so important to work with someone if you can, or at least get some type of mentorship from people who not only have either been where you're trying to go, but also who've helped other people get there that kind of master coach who can be that course corrector because, you know, it's easy, you make a little progress and then you think, you know, maybe I should see this or you read some, you know, Twitter post about some crazy new diet and you're like, oh, that must be how I can get to the next level. And, you know, maybe it is, but that's really where you can lean on the expertise and the, you know, years or decade of experience, um, you know, that uh, actual coach who's been through this countless times um, can be so vital. Mm. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I for the longest time, um, I, I'm I'm a very introverted person, and so I um, I did I had a lot of my like mentors when I was younger were like kind of virtual, like I, they didn't even know that they were my mentors. You know, it was either books or you know things I was listening to, podcasts. You know, things I was learning from people um, without actually experiencing it myself, and. Um, and then I got to a point where I started to realize, you know what, I, I need to I need to talk to people more and have and more long form conversations about some of this stuff. And um, so, yeah, I mean, live live mentors, people who can um, kind of help you, people who have walked the uh, the road before you definitely can cut a lot of failures out of your, uh, uh, you know, out, out of your process of your learning process. But I also think that we also have to fire the gun ourselves and and fail and fail often. It's kind of like, um, um, you know, how do you get how do you get experience with something, right? Um, you've got to fail a lot, but you know, if you don't fail and you don't take that jump in the first place, you don't get the experience. So, th th you know, it's one of those things where you do have to figure things out for yourself, and you do have to tap into yourself and find out what you're made of. You know, you have to. You have to stretch yourself. You have to continue to, um, you know, take yourself to, to new levels. If you want to learn uh, about an idea, you want to learn about losing weight, but you're you're trying to wait for the resources to come to you or to, um, you know, fall into your lap or you know for the next big thing to come out or you know the magic bullet or the the silver bullet or the, whatever you want to call it. Um, if you're waiting for those things, you're you're probably not going to to get what you need you have to become resourceful you have to um not rely on resources but but go figure it out go go dig into it go learn about it go read about it go find somebody who's done it and talk to them ask them questions figure it out um there was a, a quote i actually heard like two days ago which is most people are waiting for their ship to come in what you need to be doing is go swim out to it and uh and i just love that it just basically says, you know, take take the bull by the horns when you when you need when 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 you want to get something done, you know. You know the value of the, getting that coach to help you along the way once you're going, uh, but definitely, you know, getting going by yourself and just especially like you said, getting to understand yourself better and sort of reflecting on where you are, what those motivations are, um, while you're going through the process. I think that'll help.
Um, cool. Any uh, anything else you wanted to uh, add on to that? Maybe uh, like you know you're working with someone and they set these habits, but you know they're just not sticking. They're just not clicking. How can you kind of help people through those block? You know those sort of plateaus where they're making some progress, but then for whatever reason, you know they're just not able to consistently uh, continue. Yeah. Well, I think you got to backtrack a little bit and go back to why you're doing it. And that's that's where the coach has to come in and say, you know, what what is what is your reason for doing this? Why why do you want to accomplish this? Um, what's prevented you from from accomplishing in the past? You know, how come you haven't been able to do this on your own? Um, and and listen again for for clues. Body language tells you a lot. You know, words make up seven percent of our communication. You have to be paying attention to tone body language, all of those other things. People communicate, um, you know, in, in multiple ways. So we really have to, uh, we have to listen to, to the person. Um, I think scaling it is extremely important. One of the things that I believe is that if, if you set a, uh, like say a monthly goal for a client and uh, you say, all right, I want you to, you know, we're going to lose two pounds this month. And if the client doesn't do it or they don't do the habits that were necessary, uh, that were implemented or that were decided on by by coach and trainer um, to to occur for that month to get to that goal. Um, and I think if the coach came up with the goal, then I think that it's the coach's fault. Um, I think that it, the ownership has to come from the client. So we again, we've got to scale it back and say, I I, I would usually ask the question um, of you know, on a scale of one to 10, how confident do you feel that you'll be able to accomplish this, this habit or task? Um, and if I'm not getting at least a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, I'm going to scale that back even more um, to find out what it can. So for example, I'll say, um, you know, the, let's say the, the goal is to lose uh, two pounds this month. And the habit is that you're going to eat veggies at, um, you know, five days a week, Monday through Friday, you're going to eat uh, extra serving of veggies or a, a serving of veggies at lunch. Let's say we follow up uh, in a week or two and they've only been able to do it, you know, three days a week, not five, you know, things came up, whatever. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to re I'm going to go back to that conversation and I'm going to say, you know, well, obviously the five days was too aggressive. Can we scale that back? Are you, are you 90 to hundred percent positive that you can, um, you know, do three out of five days. Yes. Great. If I'm getting a nine out of 10 from them, um, I'm putting the ownership on them, you know, when I do that, and then it, it, I'm not asking them to do anything that they haven't agreed to be able to do themselves. So, um, so, you know, if there's a failure, it's not on me, but in that case, I have to do a, a better job of coaching them to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it as a smart goal. Is it something that's specific that they're doing? Is it measurable? You know, is it action oriented? You know, are it just essentially are there are there parameters on it that are going to make them successful? You know, um, and and you've got to scale it back if it, if it's too hard. And you you can't be you can't let things go along too long without without you know having that conversation of, of where do we have to make adjustments? You always have to um, reflect on you know where you're going. Um, and, and how it's gone, you know, how have I done? What, what, what did I do? What, what did I do successful this past month? How can I build on that? How can I create more momentum? Right. That's definitely key. I, I love that, you know, you were talking about getting ownership coming from the client. Um, 
I think that's something that a lot of people you know, miss out on where it's that top-down you know, trainer, especially when people think about a personal trainer and they visualize you know, somebody yelling at the client like, hey, you do this. And it, it should be so much more about you know, encouraging yes. the client to do the things that they're confident they can do and you're just sort of like guiding them along the path that they're taking the steps themselves, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think what we look at like just the different ways and, and uh, self-determination theory by Ed DC is one of the things that come to mind about um, just how people are motivated. And we're uh, uh, absolutely much more motivated intrinsically um, for the long term than we are extrinsically. And what I mean by that is um, say like an extrinsic motivation would be a doctor telling you you need to lose, you know, 20 pounds you know, or, you know, it's, it's just not going to be good versus an intrinsic goal of I'm going to lose 20 pounds because it's going to make me healthier. I'm going to feel better playing with my kids. Um, my knees aren't going to have as much stress on them. Uh, I'll have more energy. I'll, I'll have more, um, you know, I'll have more brain power during my workday to make better decisions. Um, when we look at that as a coming from more of an intrinsic place where it's more, you know, for us, not circumstantial because of us, I think that it drives us to do things. You know, at the end of the day, like if you were to be at a meeting and we were all to give out a whole bunch of ideas, usually we think our our own idea is the best, you know? So it's 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 that um, it's gotta it's gotta come from within us. It can't come at us. Um, I think that a trainer barking at you or a doctor telling you you need to lose 20 pounds is a, is a good spark. It'll get you going, but it's not sustainable. Um, a sustainable goal is more driven by some sort of intrinsic measure. Awesome. So is there anything else you would want to add on to that for clients out there um, that might be struggling with some of these issues or um, you think we're good to move on? Uh, no, I mean, I think we touched on quite a bit there. So, Yeah, absolutely. That was... Um, quick little master course on uh, motivation for goals, goal achievement right there. Mm. Um, sweet. So just quick finish up uh, one, one quick thought. Um, if you have one ability to change something in the fitness industry, anything, but you got, you got to pick one thing um, that you can change, just snap your fingers. It's done for you. What is that? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I would say to to create an awareness out there to every single person that's struggling with something that we can we we have to be able to heal ourselves. Um, the way the industry, not just the fitness industry, but the medical industry, is set up is very reactive, um, and. It, it's disheartening at times because I think that the way treatment is still 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 done is you know in that manner is, is in a reactive we absolutely need acute medicine for things like cancer or when somebody breaks a leg or gets in an accident or you know when there's trauma um thank god for for traditional medicine because of those things but with with the chronic diseases and and you know cardio cardiovascular issues and things that people are having um there needs to be more taking ownership of, hey, I can fix this. And uh, if I can snap my fingers and just say, hey, 
you know, let everyone know, hey, you're you're responsible for this. Like this is your car. You're driving this one car for the rest of your life. You've got to take care of it. And just know that the answers are out there. We've already talked about everything is a Google Google search away. Um, that you have the ability to be able to fix this or turn that ship around. Um, I would wanna I would wanna send that message out. Like if I was gonna put a billboard somewhere or, or broadcast something, you know, to the in every gym and every home is you have the ability to 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 fix this yourself. And if you if you you know you can't find the resources, then ask for help. Ask for help because there are people out there like us, like trainers, like um, you know, doctors who are on this earth to be able to help you find the answers that you need. I hope you can make that happen. I hope we can all make that happen. Um, Kaizen, one one day at a time. One day at a time. I know. Um, I mean, you know, you're talking about medical sector as a whole, but um, that just reactive approach is a huge amount of cost in the entire economy for for just so much that could be prevented. And I think so much of more of a focus on wellness and prevention and being able to kind of have people take ownership before they have problems um, can just make such a huge difference in the world. Um, and it's understanding, you know, certain health things like hiring a coach or working with a dietitian. Um, you know, if maybe they might seem expensive as compared to, you know, paying for, you know, a new t-shirt or something random. Um, but, uh, they'll save so much money in that reactive, um, healthcare costs down the line. Um, one of the kind of most mind blowing statistics I've seen just, you know, specifically focused on nutrition and then healthcare, but I think it was 1960, it might've been 1950. Uh, this is a uh, macro statistics from the United States, but people spent, I think it was 21% of their income on uh, food and nutrition-related expenses, uh, and only, I think, 8% or 9% on healthcare. And I think in 2011, those were completely reversed. It was like 7% of their income on food and 19% on medical bills, which, mm. um, you know, I mean, I think that just encapsulates, you know, you don't spend money now, you try to cut corners now, and you're going to have to pay for those those costs later and uh, often many times fold. And, um, you know, you, you can't get uh, your health back. Like once it's gone, you know, you can you can work with people and you can you can get healthier. And, you know, like if you blow out your knee, you can get a knee replacement and you can be better. But, you know, you're never going to get back to that point where if you just took the right measures the, in the first place, um, and really laid the groundwork, you know, that just natural way is just going to be so much better if you can take care of it the first time. Like you said, you get that one car for your whole life. It's a lot easier to just keep that thing running than having to replace the engine or, you know, needing to drive it less because, you know, it's not as efficient or, or what have you. So I think that's huge. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I mean, investing in yourself is extremely extremely important and not not spending money on things and material things that don't really give you any return um i think you know look, look at like you know people who are wealthy or rich um they they invest invest means simply you know holding off some sort of instant gratification or instant instant um gain for something in, that's going to be you know, much more beneficial in the future or much, much more compounded in the future. 
um, in this case, your health. So investing in, it doesn't even have to be personal training, but investing in taking, taking a course or um, going through, there's so many free online courses to learn about health and how to be, um, you know, more fit or eat right, um, free nutrition. We do free nutrition seminars, um, group classes where people can get educated on that stuff. It doesn't cost anything. Um, but I think that you have to take the time to invest in yourself um, and spend that money there because you're right. You will be spending it eventually down the road, um, you know, on, on medications, on surgeries. And, and let's not forget that the quality of your life is not nearly going to be what it what it could be at that stage uh, had you been, you know, taking care of yourself along the way. Absolutely. But it's about that health span. It's about making the most out of the time that you have, whatever that time is. So and, do it, on, and um, doing it on your own terms, most importantly. That's one thing I would just add to it is doing it on your own terms. You don't have to be a victim of the circumstance. You can take control of that situation. Going back to the message that I would broadcast out, you have the ability. You're we're we're all just one decision or one choice away from turning it around and getting started and moving in the right direction. We're one one decision away. Everyone's in the driver's seat. So even if you've been heading in the wrong direction for 40 years, you know, you can still start going in the right way. Um, you know, like that uh, GPS recalculating type thing, you know, eventually, you know, you will improve and you will get there. So it's just taking that decision to, you know, turn it around and start on the right path. One step oh, yeah. And as you as you said with the car analogy, if you let go of the wheel and you don't control that car, guess what happens? You're going to end up in the woods. <laughs> true. True. Or yeah. Or if you listen to bad advice like a faulty GPS and it takes you into a farm or something, um, you will so. have wasted a lot of time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Qualifying information is important because, like you said, there's lots and lots of information out there. Mm-hmm. All right. How can uh, people get in, in touch with you if you know they were inspired by this and they want to reach out or if they have any questions to follow up on anything or just in general kind of social media, how people can uh, follow along you know, your own journey? Yeah. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Coach Mike Urso. Uh, I think I'm on Twitter at Coach Mike Urso. Um, email is murso at goldenhomefitness.com. Uh, email or direct message on any of those uh, social social networks pretty pretty quickly uh, to get in touch with me. I'll definitely respond back probably same day. So good stuff. A lot of really good valuable information out here today. So thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Will. Yeah, of course. We'll do this again. So stay tuned. Golden Home Fitness Radio Podcast. Hit subscribe. Don't miss an episode. All right. Thank you.